Why are so many salespeople who consider themselves to be professionals simply unprepared to earn new business? In this lesson, author, keynote speaker, and founder of Institute for Advanced Results, Tamara Bunty, teaches us seven traits that will significantly elevate our business and income potential. When one door closes, another one always opens. But, there's always a but, isn't there? <laughs> Let me tell you the but. I found this online. When one door closes, another one always opens. We've heard this before. But, sometimes it's hell in the hallways. <laughs> so, are you in the hallway somewhere? Today, I want to take you through a process of how to get out of the hallway and some of the areas of sales that we might feel stuck. There's a roller coaster ride that some salespeople get on, and it scares them to death because they go so high, they get such a huge paycheck, but then sadly, they ride that roller coaster down a very steep slope, and they end up in the valley with no money left. They don't learn how to fill their pipeline while they are in the hallway waiting for the next door to open. Prospecting is to sales what seeds are to a garden. If we don't plant any seeds, we won't get flowers. And the more seeds we plant, the more flowers we will get. Input determines output. So how much are we getting out there to actually build our business? And so let's take a look first at the definition of prospecting. If you look this up online, it says prospecting means treasure hunting in search of gold, silver, or valuables. Prospects are chances or opportunities for success or wealth. The problem is most people don't even know who they're going after. Who is your target market? Who do you want to call on? It's such a simple question, but can you answer it? I worked with a group of financial advisors, and I said, who do you call on? And I got blank stares. It was like they were saying, anyone with money. <laughs> well, hello, isn't that everybody? <laughs> a great book I just read by Adam Witte said, if you put a 500-pound block of salt in your backyard, you will attract deer. If you put a 500-pound block of cheese, you'll attract rats, not deer. Sadly, most business people do not think strategically about their client or customer base. They busy themselves attracting or chasing any customer they can get. Who is your target audience? Who do you want to talk to? It's one thing to know who you need to contact. It's another to get your foot in the actual door. So who do I want to attract to my business? You want to be where your potential customers are. If you call a company and get a gatekeeper, who do you ask for? The CEO, the VP, the VP of sales, an HR director? I literally got a cold call yesterday, and he made a classic mistake. My assistant was out, and so I picked up the phone, and I said, advanced results. He said, how are you today? I say, of course, I'm doing well. And I know it's a cold call because usually people will introduce themselves first. He said, is a manager available? So I say, what's this regarding? He said, it's regarding janitorial services. I said, we're all set. And he said, okay, thank you, and hung up. Now, first off, you have to have a name of the manager to call. Because if you don't know who you're calling on, they're going to redline you. What they're going to do is they're going to say, okay, this person is a cold call. We're going to blacklist you, <laughs> and, and then they're never going to take your phone call. You have to be prepared with who you're actually calling on. And people make a classic mistake. They think it's a numbers game. I'm just going to call. Well, yes, it is a numbers game, but you're going to have to sift through a lot of sand before you're going to find a golden nugget with that type of approach. You have to be more skilled today. Prospects are too jaded. They're sick of sales pitches. What they want is they want the opportunity to buy something, but many salespeople cannot articulate what is the value of their product or service. 
So if you don't know the manager's name uh, that you're going to call, uh, you have to first call and say, I'm updating my records. Who's the manager? Who's the VP? Who's the owner? You want to ask for their name, and then you want to call back the next day and ask specifically for that person. Now, you can take it a step further and ask questions about the manager, like, what do you like about them? Um, And now you can treat this call like a referral. (laughs) There's many different tricks you can use in order to get to the decision maker. But again, people are jaded today, and we have to be classy in our approach. If you want the big diamond, you have to know how to search for it and make it shine. Prospecting Mastery is a two-day workshop where I take small groups of salespeople, four to six people, and take them through the entire sales process. I make it simple, and I believe in merging the gap between theory and execution. So this class is execution style, meaning we make live phone calls. So you're making money while you're in class. I want to take you through what it takes to actually master prospecting at a high level and obtaining new clients. Who should you call on? How do you get vertical referrals? How do you handle price? What do you say on voicemail? Do you have a best practices manual? I will teach you everything you need. The question is, do you have the right things in place? Have you read the right books? I find that everyone is interested in success, but very few are actually committed. If you're listening to this right now, I would say you're committed. In this program, I'm going to take you through what is absolutely necessary step-by-step in a sales-slash-operations or best practices manual so that you know exactly what you're doing and when to do it so that when you wake up in the morning and start your day, it's not, what should I do today? You have it planned out. You know exactly what needs to happen and when it needs to get done. There is no getting away with sloppy sales and a big paycheck today. My philosophy is be the best or get out of the game. Now we're going to cover what it takes to actually be the best. The secrets of selling. What are all these secrets? I'm going to give you seven of them today. Number one, never love them and leave them. That means once you sell someone something, we're all excited, they're happy, but then the salesperson disappears and you don't hear from them again. That's loving them and then leaving them. And it's a huge mistake that many salespeople make because they get busy, they move on to the next sale. And what they forget is that where you want to get your next business from is the people that already love you. So many times people are focused on, I want to learn how to cold call. I want to be great at prospecting. Well, to be great at it, you first have to obtain what you need from the people that already love you. You need to service the people. It's better to get referrals from them anyway because they're happy customers. So One of the secrets is, is you must be in contact with people at least once a month in some way, shape, or form. The number one reason why a client, a former client, or a prospect doesn't return our phone call is simply because they can't find our phone number. So I would suggest next month, find your database and do a text campaign so everyone has your cell phone number. Keep in front of them. Let them know that you're there and you're there to serve and you're there to be there for them. Number two, obtain vertical referrals. What's a vertical referral? Basically, it's a rich person. (laughs) We want to be elevated to the the next level of client that we have that can buy the bigger package. So how do you actually do that? Well, let me give you an example. When you're asking for a referral from someone and to obtain a vertical referral, let's say um, you're in the mortgage business and you're asking your client uh, for who they know that uh, is looking to buy a house, right? That's a natural kind of referral. Well, who do you know that's looking to buy a house? Very simple typical question. A vertical referral would be to ask, well, who do you know that's looking to buy a second home? 
Now, that question in itself establishes that the referral you'll get is someone that already has money because they wouldn't be buying a second home if they didn't have money. So what we want to do is take a look in your business and say, okay, well, how am I really asking for a vertical referral or do I just do classic sales stuff and hope I get something? Number three, you must follow up. 80% of all sales are made on the fifth to twelfth contact. Wow, that means you have to call someone a lot. <laughs> it's not just, I mean, sales on one phone call, uh, making one call is like a 2% success rate. So what that means is, is to follow the laws or the commandments of sales, you must, anytime you get a lead or someone to call on or a referral, that person must be called a minimum of five times in a year and up to 12. So that at most, that's once a month of communication. That's not including texting, email, uh, snail mail, and other ways that we communicate. That's actually dialing their number on the phone. Number four is you must get invited in. What does that mean? That means when you're making a prospecting call, instead of saying to the prospect, hey, well, let's meet so I can tell you about what I do, that's kind of rude, I think, (laughs) especially living here in the South. You don't want to invite yourself in. You want to be invited in. Plus, it's a totally different conversation if you set up your prospecting call, your scripting in the appropriate manner. So to get invited in, you have to ask questions. And you want the prospect to say, well, you know, why don't you come in so we can talk a little bit more about this? That's your objective. You want to get invited in. And a skilled salesperson will do that. An unskilled salesperson will just go for the appointment and try to get them to meet with them. But usually that's there's a 50% no-show rate with that kind of approach. So we want to make sure that our appointments stick. And we have to make sure that we're asking questions that the question in itself will establish our value so that people will actually want to work with us. Number five is you need to get personal. <laughs> Business today is not just transactional. It's about relationships, and we need to build relationships. Let me give you an example. I was in with a company, and I'm sitting with all the big, important managers, and we're trying to decide whether or not uh, I'm a good fit for their keynote presentation for their company. And I'm sitting in there, and we have this awkward silence, right? It's just kind of awkward. So I go to the gentleman next to me. I say, Ryan, um, how'd you meet your wife? And uh, he burst out laughing. He said, I met her at Food Lion. (laughs) And all the gentlemen had been working together for about three years, but no one knew the story. So he told the story. And it was hilarious. And so, of course, I need to follow up with Ryan to see if they're going to pick me for the keynote presentation. And instead of saying, hey, Ryan, it's Tamara with Advanced Results. Did you pick me? I hope so. (laughs) That doesn't work. I called and I said, hey, Ryan, I'm at Food Lion, but I don't see any hot guys. Which one did you meet your wife at? You know, and it was funny. And so Ryan's just one of those people that um, he's like a friend, right? And if you're in sales, you're a professional friend finder. And that's what we want to do. We want to, and that's how you build trust, and most people don't know it. You build trust by your prospect or client sharing personal information because if they share something personal, that means they're trusting you with it. And if you're a real estate agent and there's five people that they're going to choose from, how are they going to pick out of the five? It's probably going to be the person that they shared information with and the person that cared the most. So you want to be that person. Number six is you have to handle objections in a classy and witty manner. You can't just respond with the typical objection response. Well, call me back in six months. Okay, well, who just won the sale there? The prospect did, not the salesperson. We have to make sure that we're prepared in how we're going to handle objections, but you need new ideas and new ways of doing this today. And I think many people don't take the time to really work on their business to know how they're going to respond. 
uh, I used to get an objection all the time. Well, I'm satisfied. You know, I'm happy with status quo, right? And I'm thinking as a coach, well, oh, they're, they're in stagnation. They're stuck. So I just, instead of like trying to win that argument, what I did was I said, well, uh, do you deserve more? What's the only logical response to that question? Well, yes, I do. So I want to lead people to a better place. And that's what objection handling typically is. Any salesperson is going to have to handle five to seven objections anyway in order for someone to buy today. So we might as well be really prepared and we might as well have great ways in order to respond. And number seven is you must master voicemail. There are many misconceptions about voicemail. Some sales trainers will tell you, never leave a voicemail. I would consider that stalking. I mean, don't you hate it if someone calls and doesn't leave a message? You're like, well, they bothered to call me. What was it about? It must not have been important. And then they see that number coming up again and again and again. And then finally they get you pick up and it's just a sales pitch. And then you're angry, right? Take me off your list. We don't want to do that. Uh, It's the same in advertising today. People still need to see things seven to 12 times. So we need to do the same thing on voicemail. The problem is, is what do you say on the fourth voicemail to a prospect that hasn't called you back yet? You can't say, hey, I've called you four times. I hope everything's okay. Uh, Please just call me back either way and let me know if you're interested. Well, I would ask you, does that prospect feel excited to call you back or do you think that they feel guilty for not calling you? Chances are they feel guilty. And guess what guilty people do? They flee. Even the good Christians will run away. So either way, we have to change our approach. We have to master voicemail. I train to a 96% callback rate, a 99.9% callback rate on referrals. You just have to make sure you're doing things the appropriate way. And also, we want to build business in a classy manner. So the seven secrets are never love them and leave them. Number two, obtain vertical referrals. Number three, follow up. 80% of sales are made on the 5th to 12th contact. Number four, get invited in. Number five, get personal. Number six, objections handle in a classy and witty way. And number seven, master voicemail. Sales statistics. 48% of salespeople never follow up with a prospect. 48%, that's half the people out there are never even going to call back someone that is potentially interested in their product or service. 25% of salespeople make a second contact and stop, and only 12% of salespeople, they only make three contacts, and then they stop. We have to look at, are we abiding by the laws of sales, the statistics? Are we becoming a statistic, or are we actually getting results? And everything you do comes down to three things your strategy, your activity, and your mindset. And your strategy will be reflected in your results. So if you're not having a good result, if your paycheck isn't so high, then perhaps you have a poor strategy. And we want to model someone that might have a better strategy that's getting a better result. Next is your activity. So how much are you doing of your strategy? Are you a big thinker and you get excited at the beginning of the year and you have a business plan, but it sits in the drawer somewhere and you just kind of react to whatever's going on around you? Or do you have purposeful action? And the third is your mindset. Are you excited about what you're doing? You know, I find a lot of people, um, when I ask them, I said, how many people here in sales love prospecting or love cold calling. It's surprising how many people don't raise their hand because how are you going to become good at something if you don't like it? You have to learn how to love it. And there are people out there that do. I'm included. If your mindset, though, 
is higher than your strategy, we do call that delusion. So we want to make sure that in order to be successful today, and success in my opinion is when what you think, what you speak, and what you do are all in alignment, you'll start to find that your paycheck gets bigger and you start attracting the kind of quality clients that you're actually looking for. So what are our statistics? Are we making sure that we're abiding by the laws? Are we calling people five to 12 times? One referral is equivalent to 15 cold calls. So let's take a look at lead generation. Many people want to know, in the area of prospecting, who do I call on first? And many people are kind of missing the boat. You want to call people that already love you. Call clients. If you're having a bad day, call someone that loves you and ask them, why do you like me so much? Why do you like our business? Why do you like the service? Why do you like the product? Get pumped up. You are in control of your mindset, but too many people are victims. Oh, it's raining today or it's Monday morning. People are too busy. I'm not going to call. We have to control our mindset so that we don't have excuses. So start off by calling people that love you and then asking for referrals. So do not start cold calling until you've gone to every client and asked for a referral. And, of course, again, we want to get vertical referrals. Then you want to call on people that already said no because chances are they changed their mind. So why are we going to cold call if we haven't even called people that have shown an interest but it was poor timing? Do we even know who we're calling on? Do we have our list? Do we have prospects? Do we have a pile of business cards? You know, who are we looking to connect with? And I'm going to go over later today what exactly you need in a best practices manual. How many people do you need to prospect? How many networking groups do you need to be a part of? I'm going to give you what it is you need to be successful today. I'm going to give you a strategy. And then when you come to a class that we have, whether online or in person, we're going to take you through filling in the blank and making sure that your strategy is going to reap you the reward that you're actually looking for. But we have to model people that are successful. How are you going to use social media? How do you connect with people? How do you lead them to your website? How do you get contact information of the type of clients that you're actually looking for? How do you find the people you're looking for? How do you take people you know on social media and have them go to your website? How do you get contact information of the kind of customers that you want to attract into your business? You have to start off with referrals. So let's take a look at that. My first question is, do you have a referral form? And if you don't have a referral form, I would say you're missing out on probably at least 40 to 60% of really great business. You have to have it. And it doesn't mean you have to hand it out and say, give me referrals. There's a classy way to do it. You have to make sure that you're, again, getting vertical referrals and that you're tracking it to make sure you ask everybody. I'm a very motivated person. I'm very disciplined. But if I don't have my referral form in front of me, I will forget. So you have to have a referral form. And I would ask, do you have it and do you use it? Uh, And you have to ask every client. Any person you've worked with or made money off of, you have to ask for referrals. Let me give you an example. I taught a class last week, and I had a woman in the class that she said, well, I've never asked any client for a referral. So I said, well, how would you do it? And she did the the classic way, well, do you know anybody that would want to work with me and sit down and go through the same process you did? And the client's response was, oh, well, I'll have to think about it. Then she did it the correct and classy way. And uh, she started off with, well, you know, who do you know, right? There's a big difference between do you know anybody and who do you know that's like you, financially savvy, that might be open to. And then we went through a specific line for her. And then she ended up getting three referrals. She got invited to an event and had a new Facebook friend. So the way and the manner in which you do something will determine your results. So we have to make sure you're not just asking to ask, but you're doing it in a way so you get that financially savvy person rather than just anybody I can help. 
because then chances are you're going to get the person that really needs help and not the person that could transfer their funds to you that you could manage and uh, make a good commission off of. Let's transition now to voicemail. So you got referrals, but now you got to actually call and get referral business. How do you do it? It's a different skill set. What do you say again on the fourth, fifth, ninth voicemail, whether it's a cold call, a prospect, or a referral, is going to be different. And we want to take you through voicemails 1 through 12 on every type of call that you make and put together a follow-up plan so that you know when to call somebody so that you're not overdoing it, not stalking them, but making them excited to call you back. And if you do things the right way, chances are you're not going to have to call that many times because they're actually going to call you back because voicemail is not about selling something. It's about getting them to call you back. So we're going to show you how to do that. It's also important just to take a look at a strategy. Let's say we met out networking eight months ago and I'm a good prospect for your business, but you never followed up with me. And it's eight months later. What do you say? You can't say, oh, sorry, um, let's meet so I can tell you about what I do. Well, no, thanks. I don't want a sales pitch. We have to make sure that we're designing our strategy and prospecting around what does the prospect want to hear versus what do I want to say as a salesperson. So that leads us to organization. Are you organized? I tell everyone that they must have a daily must, which means every day you have to take 10 minutes where no matter what's going on in that day, you are doing a money-producing activity. I don't care if it's calling one person on LinkedIn. I don't care if it's calling a client and asking for a referral or calling two people off a cold call list. You have to do something that's money-producing activity. And if you do that every day, five days a week, that's 20 new people in a month. That's more prospecting than most salespeople will ever do. And it's just calling one or two people. So if we start off with that, it'll create momentum for you. 10 hours a week is what the average salesperson is spending time doing, looking for information. They're just looking for documents, papers, phone numbers. (laughs) They can't find it. So we want to reduce that so that you have more time to prospect and uh, work with more clients and, of course, make more money. You have to get organized. I would ask, do you have a CRM system? What is your follow-up strategy? How do you manage, for example, um, a referral voicemail? Like, what if I call you and leave a voicemail with a referral? But what if I text you? Well, what if I give it to you over the phone? What if it comes through on the Internet? What if I fill out a referral form for you? Look at all the ways that we can communicate information. The question is, is where do we put it? And you have to put it in one place. So we want to take you through a process on how to do that. You have to set your priorities. And many people can't even identify what a priority is for them. You have to do the hardest thing first. And I'm just going to tell you that's what how it needs to be. You have to make the cold call first thing in the morning. You have to do the things that you're going to put off till Friday. Because if you don't do the hardest thing first, what will happen is, is you'll do all the other little things all day long, and then something will come up in the afternoon, and you won't make the prospecting calls. You have to discipline yourself in order to do the things that are going to make you money. And you have to manage your contacts from one place. This is what's so critical. You have to know what the difference between a task, a to-do, and an appointment is. Many people can't even distinguish that. And they have paper calendars, and they have notepads, and they have post-it notes, and then they've got their iPhone. And there's so many different ways to communicate again. We have to make sure we're consolidating it so that we can communicate appropriately with our prospects. So the big question I know you're wondering is, how do I love prospecting? (laughs) That's the key. You have to learn how to love it because if you don't love it, you might as well go do something else. I mean, sales, when you're in sales, 
you decide the size of your paycheck. And if you don't love what you're doing 40 to 60 hours a week, it becomes like a job. And you might as well go get a job with a steady salary if you don't want to decide the size of your paycheck. But if you really do, if you really believe that you're worth more than what you're currently getting, you got to learn how to love it. So just to change your perspective a little bit. Many people avoid cold calling, and I would say they're only avoiding it because they have a misconception. Their their perception of it is off. And cold calling is just making new friends. I've never met anyone that said, I have too many friends, Tamara. No one's ever said that to me. So you, as a sales professional, are a professional friend finder, and that's how we have to see it. And many people are afraid of the do not call list. Let's say if you're in real estate or something. Um That's just something to hold people back that uh, don't want to work. And why don't you call some new companies that are moving into town? They're not on the do not call list. Make friends and invite people to parties. I mean, people want to get to know people, connect like-minded people. It's so important. You won't master what you don't like, so you must model someone that actually likes prospecting. And we take you through that process in the class. Uh, but I would also recommend you go interview someone. Find someone that's successful and enjoys what they're doing. Uh, chances are uh, when you find that person, they will be really good at it because they want to keep improving their craft. They're always learning, always growing. So your language patterns are key. If I were to say to you, we're going to meet this afternoon and I'm going to bring something delicious for us to eat, you're excited, right? Unless you're on a diet. <laughs> but what if I said I'm going to bring something nutritious? You might be like, I'm going to bring my Snicker bar. So the language that we use controls the pictures that we hold in our mind, which determines what we focus on. And language shapes emotions. Do you talk people out of an appointment? What is your language pattern? Are you using power words? There are certain words you should be avoiding within sales. For example, if you say to someone, is this a good time to talk? Well, they're going to say, what's it about? Now you set yourself up to be like a hardcore salesperson that's pitching somebody. You don't want to say that. They wouldn't have picked up. Like if anyone calls me, whether you know me really well or you don't know me at all, it doesn't matter. You're still interrupting me. The question is, is do you provide enough value for me to engage in conversation with you and stay on the phone? If there's not enough value, I'll tell you I got to go and I'll call you back. Or I'll call you and say, never call me again. (laughs) It just depends on how you set yourself up and can you articulate what it is that you're selling so that it's something that I actually want to buy or your prospect actually wants to buy. How many times do you say the word interested in one day? Or I'm calling to follow up with you. I would never call a friend and say, hey, I'm calling to follow up. That's like cheesy sales language we want to avoid. You want to replace that. Instead of interested, maybe say, are you open and willing? Instead of following up with you, let's circle back. Again, your language shapes emotion. And that leads us into how you handle your scripting within your business. If you are in sales and someone's handed you a script that's one page long or longer, I can tell you right now that script doesn't work. No script should be longer than three or four lines, period. And you have to be able to ask questions. Questions is the key to building business. Uh, The average person takes an hour to find five names and numbers to call, and then another hour just to figure out what they're going to say. You have to know your objective, why you're calling. Instead of saying, I'm calling to follow up for, just say why you're following up. Avoid the language. Just tell them what it is you're calling them for. Um, Are you using powers? Can you ask intelligent questions? So let me give you some examples of intelligent questions. If I were to go into a company, and and if I were to say, oh, what are you currently doing for sales training? That's a very bad question. But if I come in and say, you know, I'm curious, if I were to give you a referral, which I very well could, and you called my friend three times and she didn't call you back, what do you train your salespeople to say on the fourth voicemail? 
uh, 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 chances are they don't have an answer for that. And if they do, it's probably not a very well prepared. So I'm asking questions where the question itself establishes my value. So what questions are you asking? If someone says to me, cold calling's hard, I would say compared to what? Being broke? <laughs> um, I can't afford that right now. I would say, well, how will you know when you will? Oh, you know, that's a lot of money. What's a lot of money? Find out where their mindset is. Find out where that person's coming from. I mean, consequences represent 86% of the reasons why people buy something today. So we have to have people actually think. We have to get into the mud with them instead of saying, let's meet for 15 minutes and I give you a PowerPoint presentation. Just doesn't work today. We've got to ask better quality questions. When you ask those questions, you're going to get objections. The question is, can you respond with a better question or in a classy and witty manner, which we talked about earlier, and handle some of these classic objections like send me information or I'll think about it? What is your response? And your response is going to determine whether or not they will engage in conversation with you or they'll say, no, thank you. And it really depends on If you're good enough, you have to be so awesome today at sales because if you're not awesome, you're just going to get the low-lying fruit, which is just getting by. And that's no way to live life. Life is so awesome. And we have to raise our expectations and our mindset so that we can actually make a shift and sell more. So a few more things that are important to cover are gatekeepers. Many times people are training gatekeepers to be their best friend, and what you're doing is you're selling the lowest paid person on how to pitch your product or service to the decision maker. Very bad strategy. You want to get the cell phone number from the decision maker, and you're going to get it from the gatekeeper. But if you're really good, you'll get it. If you're not, you'll just leave a voicemail, and you'll hope that they call you back. But what if the gatekeeper is your client's spouse? That's also a form of a gatekeeper. So how are you going to get the cell phone number of the spouse? And there's many different ways to approach it. There are actually three easy ways to bypass the gatekeeper and get to the decision maker. The question is, do you know those three ways? And if you don't know them and you're just doing the classic is so-and-so available, it's not going to work today. You're either great at cold calling and prospecting or you're not. I mean, there is no middle ground today. You have to be prepared. So that leads us to some of the things that might hinder us in closing a sale. Many times price comes up. Well, price should tell you as a sales professional that you didn't establish value. If they're going to cut you on price, that means I don't see enough value in order to pay what you're asking. 89% of all purchases in America are made on a non-price basis. So are you selling price or are you selling value? Bottom line, though, if price is the issue, then the prospect is not sold. There just is not enough value at the current time for them to pay your price. That means you have to go back and you have to build up value for that person. And if you really want to close somebody today, you have to understand that we're always closing somebody. Either the prospect is selling us on their excuses or we're selling them on why they should buy. The average salesperson, though, is going to have to overcome at least five objections before someone's going to buy anyway. So just expect it. Say, you know, hit me with another one. Tell me another objection. Sign on the dotted line. Uh, People need to shift their perspective, and closing is all about making decisions. I was working with a mortgage banker, and uh, she basically could only sell on customer service because the price is already set and the price is the same with whatever bank someone would go to. So she came up with an awesome analogy. It was one of the best I've heard. And she said, if you're going to buy a, an Apple product, you know, you can either go to the Apple store, right? Or did you know you can also get, you know, an iPhone, iPad, iMac at Walmart? And many times people would say, well, 
yeah, I mean, I have an iPhone, I have an iMac, and I might say where they got it. But she would then say the difference, though, is if you go to the Apple store, you're working with a genius. If you go to Walmart, you're just working with like an $8 employee that doesn't know that much. What you have to understand is that I'm your genius here at X and so XYZ Bank. And they would laugh. And then every time she'd follow up, she'd say, "Uh, it's your genius calling. (laughs) And so she branded herself just by coming up with that analogy. And we have to do that in our business. So you need to have the accountability to work on your business continuously so that you're at the top of your game. And you also have to set yourself up for success today. You have to have that accountability partner. I mean, I have other coaches that we work together and we'll say, okay, every Monday at 2 o'clock for 15 minutes, we're going to set up our week accountability and then talk on Friday. You have to put yourself in a position where you're going to be successful and you cannot manage what you don't measure. You have to take a look at how many dials did I make? How many appointments did I set? What's my progress towards my goal? You have to know where you're going. You can't hit a target that you can't see. Marketing and advertising, a salesperson's friend. How are we actually marketing ourselves? Most people are lazy here, and they just do blanket mailings without any thought put into it. Or they have a folder or a brochure, which, by the way, has a 0% read rate. So just throw all those fancy color copies with so much content no one's ever going to read unless you pay an editor to do it. Throw it in the trash can because it does not work. What does your customer want? What do they need? And then how do you advertise to them? How you position what you offer is critical. It's about controlling perspective. And you want your prospect to call you. It's not about who you know today. It's about who wants to know you. And it's all about positioning. And in order to position yourself correctly, you have to have your mindset in the right place. Rocky said it best. It's not about how hard you're hit. It's about how hard you can get hit and keep moving forward. How much you can take and keep moving forward. That's how winning is done. I love Rocky. It's the best quote ever because it doesn't matter if someone says no. The question is, is how many no's can you get but still pick up the telephone? How can you push forward through all the no's, all the never call me back, or I'm not interested, or it's a bad time, or call me back in six months, all the objections? How can you get your mindset right so that you continue to work rather than taking the day, the week, the month, or the year, or a lifetime off from selling just because you are not able to control your mindset? We here at Advanced Results give you a daily declaration card to start your day off with, you have to have your mindset right. Just like an athlete warms up before a game, you have to warm up before your day even starts. You know, I'll give you an example of shifting your mindset. And this is what you need to do for yourself, especially if there's an area of your life where you're stuck, right? When I bought my uh, first home, I thought, uh, you know, I'm going over with my dad. I'm 22. And I'm looking at the mortgage and the percentage rate and, you know, it was $210,000. And then I thought, well, (laughs) by the time I pay this off in 30 years, it'll be It'll be $450,000, and it's just not worth that. This is a bad deal. I'm not buying it, right? My dad laughed. And he said to me, he goes, you'll pay it off in seven years. And just him saying that to me shifted my mindset because I never conceived of paying it off because everyone I know has a mortgage for 30 years. So what you have to do is you have to get yourself in a place and around people that are going to elevate your mindset, are going to make you see things in a new way so that it's not just oh, this is going to take 30 years. It doesn't have to. What's your strategy, though? Do you have a strategy to do it in 15 or 12 or 7 or maybe 2? Or maybe you buy it outright? It comes down to your mindset. 
you know, Tony Robbins said this best. He said, the only thing that keeps people from getting what they want is the story they tell themselves as to why they can't have it. So what's the story you're repeating to your friends and your family? What's the story you have in your head that's keeping you from taking things to the next level? Do you have your own price objections? Do you have your own time objections? We have to be able to hand personal objections and overcome them before you're going to ever, ever, ever overcome the objections of your actual prospects. Sales manual time. I'm going to give you the outline. I'm going to give you the steps. Every business must have all of the components I'm about to give you. So write this down. If you don't write it down, we'll send it to you. This is necessary for anyone that's in business, especially in business for themselves. So table of contents. Number one is you have to have a company vision and mission statement. I can't tell you how many companies I go into and I sit down with the executive team and I hand out a three by five card and I say to each executive, write down the vision of the company and the mission statement and they're not cohesive. Most people don't even know what the vision statement is. You have to get clear. You have to know what it is. What company am I working for? If it's my own company, am I articulating the vision and mission to my people or are we just kind of working and just kind of busy every day? You want to work towards a purpose and you have to know what it is. 30-second commercial. What are your taglines? They have to be non-cheesy, verbal and written. Your written commercial of your business is going to be very different than your verbal description. So how do you articulate what it is that you do? It's a lot harder than people think. They just haven't learned how to articulate it and do it in a way that's fun that people can actually grasp. So next is descriptions of what you sell, offerings. I go to a financial advisor. What do you offer? Oh, well, it's just so much. Well, articulate it. Memorize it. You must know it. Have it on a sheet of paper because I can't tell you how many times I sit down with a sales professional and they close a client on some of their offerings, but then they go next door for uh, another product that they didn't know you offered. Okay, you have to know everything that you sell for cross-selling options. If people buy one thing, they'll buy multiple things, but they have to know what's available. Next is you have to know your goals. How many dials per week, month, day? What are you doing on a daily basis to build towards your actual goal? Many people just don't have it. They say, well, I should be doing this, but then they don't do half of it. Well, we're shooting all over ourselves and we need to stop doing that. We have got to get clear on our goal and then we have to be accountable for what we're doing every day to build. Otherwise, it's just time passing by and then we say, is this all there is? And then you need therapy and that's a whole nother thing that uh, – You don't want to go down that path. And then, of course, as I talked about daily must, it's a money-producing activity, daily accountability to build. You want to have momentum. You want to know what the daily must is. And you want your team. If you have a team, what's everyone else's daily must? Do it at the same time. You know, it takes 10 minutes, but you got to make sure you're doing something to fill your pipeline so that you're not on that roller coaster ride. And uh, it's great to go high, but it's not fun to be really, really deep in the valley. So you want to make sure you're filling your pipeline and building business while you're busy, but at least 10 minutes a day. Now, here are some selling materials that you want to have in place. You must have a referral form. If you need help, contact us. We'll send you ours in a Word format, and you can delete our logo and put yours in, and uh, then you have one. You have to learn. You have to have a script on how do you ask for a referral. It's not just, hey, do you know anybody? There are specific components in doing it in a classy way to get vertical referrals. But then, of course, you need a script on how to obtain the referral business. How do you actually set the appointment? How do you get the prospect to invite you in? That's key. You got to have a standard cold call script. And people say, well, I don't cold call. Well, you know, 
you better have something prepared because even if you get a referral, you're going to get cold call objections. The question is, can you handle it? You want to have a general lead script. And then, of course, you want to have a script for every other type of call that you make. And that comes into our organization piece. I believe you need to have everyone in a group or a category. So every contact has to fit into a group or a category. You really don't want to have more than 15 or 20. But you want to be able to group people. I have professional friends. I have vendors. I've got clients, client A, B, and C, what have you. You want to create a group so that every contact you have goes into a group or category. You have to have a definition, and you want to know your number of contacts. This also will help a manager control goals per category group for each salesperson. I mean, maybe you want to get to know three CPAs this year. Well, that should be a goal, and you should work towards that rather than just saying, I have to know a lot of people. You need to have a specific script per category group. You need to list out all of your possible objections with corresponding retorts. And I do a lot of this for companies. So if you don't want to do this yourself, many times companies will have me come in and I'll do this for you and I'll get it from everyone in the company, all of their responses, and then I'll organize it so that there's five responses per objection based on your personality type so that you're really prepared. Because if you're not prepared, you don't deserve the business. If you get the objection, you can't handle it. You have to be able to ask questions. I take you through a four-step questioning process and three questions, which I call stump questions, you must have prepared because that's what's going to get you invited in for an appointment. You got to have a marketing campaign per category group. What are you going to do every month for the next six months? What about your follow-up strategy for prospecting? What's that plan per category every month for the next six months? You want to be prepared. You want to say, I'm sending this group a newsletter on the 15th of every month. Well, that goes on your calendar. Now you know it needs to get done rather than when you feel like it or have time. You don't want to run your business that way. It's sloppy. Now, must-haves. You must have five closers, which is testimonials. You want a list of five happy customers for prospects to call and close for you. That means you have to have someone that loves you and someone that uh, is willing to give you their cell phone number that you can give to a prospect and that will be willing to take the phone call and close for you. You want at least five. You want to be a part of at least three networking groups. Identify at least three groups that you want to be a part of. Maybe have a list if you own a company of 50 different ones in your area and then tell each person, be a part of three, get to know people. You want to host at least two parties a year. Isn't it fun being in sales? Host two parties a year and invite your clients and have them bring their friends. Why not? You want to be invited to the pool parties and the yacht parties. Why not start having some and then you'll be invited to more? And then another thing you must do is you must give gifts. It falls into a law of influence, which is the law of reciprocity. And you want to give gifts, at least one gift per year, per customer that you make money off of. It's critical that you do that because you're making them feel important and people want that in a relationship. Now, a few additional items that you can do, usually a lot of these things I'll put together if a company's having me create this for them, but if you're just going to take the class and you're gonna do it yourself, you wanna have sample marketing materials prepared. Get rid of the brochures, get rid of the folders. You wanna start doing postcards and People love personal letters. The average person doesn't get a a personal letter. Months, two to four months usually go by before they get one. So why not you? Why Why don't you send one and get to know people? You have to be able to get through the gatekeeper techniques. That's important to put that in there. You have to have a list of lead generation activities. Give people options of what they can be doing. Five custom stories like the one I told you about, the analogy with Apple. They should be overcoming the top three objections that your industry gets. 
You have to have five influence closing techniques. That's critical um, to be prepared for closing people when they're on the fence. And mindset makeover reminders. I always think that's critical to put into a, a best practices manual because you have to be able to shift your mindset. You have to remember what's important and what you want to focus on. You have to control your mindset rather than letting your environment control you. So putting it all together, everything I just talked about needs to be consolidated into a scorecard. Now, what is a scorecard? It's a benchmark to measure your activity because you can't manage what you don't measure. So you have to have a scorecard that's based on the goals that you have set. And I recommend you have quarterly goals. And when you've got the goal in place, you then have to have a plan. But here's where most people get tripped up. They have the goal, they have the plan, but they don't transfer the activity to accomplish the plan on their calendar. You have to have it on your calendar because, again, you're not going to follow through if you're just thinking about what you need to be doing. We need to turn knowledge into action, and a scorecard is a way to measure it. And when you look at your scorecard, you could know in the first two weeks of the year, wow, you know, I did nothing, (laughs) so that means I need to change my approach. Or you can say this is actually working and I'm making progress. Again, we need to look at your results and what are your actual results to build business. Again, I'm not a big believer in motivation, but I believe in modeling. So we need to model people that have the result we desire, and control our process so that we are actually making progress. Your organization and making your scorecard a reality is important. And the reason why it's so important is because think about it. If I were to send you a referral, I could send you a referral in many different ways. I could text you a referral. I could email you a referral. I could leave a referral in your voicemail. I could go on Facebook Messenger and give you a referral. I could give you a post-it note with a referral. I could fill out a referral on your new referral form. And I could go to the internet and give you a referral through your internet website. So look at all the ways that we can communicate. But if we don't have one system to consolidate all these ways to communicate into one so that we have a follow-up structure to actually win, what happens is is we get overwhelmed. And when you're overwhelmed, you're not productive. So the reason why all of this is so important is because if we then take your prospecting activities and we add in marketing ideas and strategies, then you become a powerhouse. So for example, one thing that most people don't do in their business is they don't ask for five-star Google reviews. And you have to start doing this. If you don't have Google set up, you got to get it set up. And if you don't know you have it, you need to go on and make sure no one put anything less than a five-star review for you. But if you ask people to write five-star Google reviews, again, you have to make sure they're happy. And once they say something nice, then you ask for the favor for the five-star Google review. You can then go on and screenshot the Google reviews, put it on a cover letter with your brand brochure, and mail it out to your prospects. Because then it's not you saying you're great, it's other people saying you're great. So then you actually have proof. What we want to do is put a strategy in place that I know actually works. And when you start working the system, you'll start to get results. So if you're in the hallway with any of your processes, call us and join a class or have us come to your company and we will step up your game for you. For executive and sales coaching, to join a class in your area or to schedule Tamara Bunty to speak at your next corporate event, Contact us at 704-247-8333 or online at advanced-results.com. That's advanced-results.com.